Always be connecting is a call to action in business across five key audiences. Prospects, clients, team, community, and industry. Strong ties with each of these provide happiness, security, support, and a sense of purpose. I'm Lindsay Houston, and with over 15 years marketing experience, I run Storytellers Australia, which is a content marketing and design business in Sydney. I'm really excited to start a journey meeting valuable people in business who will share their ideas of how to have healthier work life by growing a network of supporters. Our first guest is a wonderful addition to any room, positive, reassuring and engaged. He's on record as saying he believes collaboration in the industry is stronger than comparison and competition. That mindset has meant in seven years he has grown his mortgage broker business Atelier Wealth into a healthy business with a strong workbook and an engaged team. Our room is better for him, the wonderful Aaron Christie David. Oh, thank you very much. It's very kind. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Yeah. So we met about three years ago, so yeah. I've seen a lot of your growth in your business in oh, that thanks. time. And a lot of it has come from the kind of personality you are, which is someone who's like keen to connect. Is that something you're Thanks. aware of? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I am a people person. I, I'm extrovert by nature. I like to be around people. So I guess it comes a bit more naturally, that whole connecting nature. Um, I don't do small talk in that sense. Like I want to, I want to know everyone's story. So mm. how did you get here? And and tell me, tell me about yourself. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, I, I, that's why I skip the small talk and go. I want to get to know, you know, Lindsay. I want to get to know your yeah. team. And um, yeah, I, I feel like I want to go a few layers deeper. That's true because you're always really good. I, I really enjoy our conversations because we do go through to business lives. Yeah, and go a bit deeper and, f and figure some things out. And it's, it's always a little bit enlightening mm. afterwards. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, on the le on the surface level, I'm just, nah, it's not me. Mm. Um, whereas I think, yeah, you and I have gone, if things aren't great, I'll, we'll share that. If things are going great, yeah. awesome. And I think we're happy for that. And it's almost like if the things, if the chips are down a little bit, it's like, I'm just going to lend an ear or, or you'll hear from me and it's just a chance to, to vent or download a little bit without judgment. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to get off your chest, whatever you're going through. And, and navigation. Correct. Yeah. And someone just goes, yeah, pat on the back here, keep going. And and I think that's where I'm, I'm talking about connections. And I think for us you talk about time, like we've known each other for three years plus. You just add up the compound effect of time that was spent together. You know, yeah. Coming in here, for example, um, you just naturally – you create a friendship and a bond. And I think I always speak about friendships that we have like that 50 hour rule. I've got some really good mates that, you know, we've oh, broken, yeah. a, we've broken a hundred hour rule. It's like at that point, it's, you know, if I need a, we need it's to easy. bury a dead body. It's like, you just tell me where, you know, cause we're, yeah. we're, we're like that. And, uh, whereas those friendships that you're not spending enough time and not investing the time, it will just sit in that, that early phase where, you, you know, you just high buys and you're not really going deep. And it's weird how some relationships can dissolve without time with time yeah and some you can go a long time without speaking to them and still be able to isn't bury it, your dead body isn't it amazing yeah. right like you just pick up where you left off like a year or two ago and it's like time has separated us but we, we haven't grown apart hmm. they're, they're the friendships that you keep nurturing and 
that you keep coming back to versus the ones that you find it really hard. It's hard work. Uh, for example, you just go, I don't think we're vibing or clicking and, and that's okay. You don't have to force something that's not mm. there either. So when I meet someone, I try and work out who they were at school. <laughs> so uh, who were you? Are you going to try and work this out? See, I, I would, I would go. I would judge. You can, yeah, you try. Sports jock. Okay. Close. Uh, sportyish. Hot. I was scrawny. I was scrawny. Really? Uh, as, a, as a teenager, I was short. Uh, I didn't get my growth spurt till probably about year eleven or twelve. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so look, I was sporty but wiry. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's when I when I kind of got to that stage. I was like, no, nah, I need to. I need to hit the gym. Uh, so that was one thing. Naughty uh, is uh, <laughs> a big one that comes up. So the report card was like, has potential, but easily distracted and, and, and distracting to others. Yeah. Um, short attention span is probably one that I'd say uh, I was a square peg in a round hole in school. I, like I got bored quite easily and I did go to a, you know, a decent selective school, but I just played up. I, yeah. I was just naughty. And I think I feel like, if I had a child like me, and my parents obviously did the best that they could, you know, tutoring, extracurricular, whatever they could, they could throw it at, at me and my brothers, my, my brothers and I. Yeah. Uh, they were more studious, I would say, um, whereas I, was, I felt I had the street smarts. So I probably would have thrived in, say, like a Montessori-style yeah. uh, high school where I was like, seek out what you want to do, do that, finish the task and then move on to what you want to do or start something and don't finish it if you like and just do whatever you want. So a bit more freestyle versus when I got told to do something, forced to do it, I'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. Do you and think that's that, an entrepreneurial problem with authority? Trait? <laughs> uh, problem with authority, uh, definite. Uh, yeah, I think it almost has the makings or markings of, you know, a little bit of like self-starter, um, a little bit more like let's break the rules, and I always did well. Sure, in like, yeah. I always did well in challenger businesses or challenger brands, and that again came out in my career. Uh, you know, I worked for Metcash, you know, IGA supermarkets instead of like Coles oh, yeah. or Woolies. Mm -hmm. uh, I I worked at Wizard Home Loans, and then I went to a big bank, but it was nowhere near as fun as like Wizard Home Loans, which was a challenger brand as well. Uh, I played competitive sports like cricket. And I liked being second or being told, you know, you're not that good enough and proving yourself as well. So, so I feel like I've always, I like the underdog. I think we love an underdog story and I, I, I veered towards that. And, uh, yeah, that brought out the best of me as well. So you started uh, at university, mm. I guess, starting your career, um, studying marketing. Yes. Why? Yeah, probably didn't. Uh, I didn't have clarity on what I wanted. So again, uh, I knew probably commerce was my start. I didn't do too well in sciences. So that was no go, for example. Um, and I felt like commerce was something that I could be aligned to. Something in business, going to a into a into a big brand or a big business, and then marketing was. I, I purely care. I think my mum suggested it because I just love to collect brochures. And I see that with my daughter now. Oh, yeah. Like, I just love catalogs. I love brochures. I love the shiny, you know, the shiny magazines. And I just felt like, well, if you like that, maybe just go and do marketing. And, yeah, I was fortunate um, at UNSW. I got into the mar one of the marketing undergrad programs there. And, again, that program was left to centre because it was going to Bachelor of Commerce, but you had to interview to get into it because they only took, I think, I think it was like 30 or 50 people in that cohort. 
and again, I was, I didn't get the marks necessarily to get in, but I got in through an, through an interview. So I was able to talk my way in yeah. uh, and yeah, able to market yourself effectively is what, is what, what an interview is. And yeah, and that was fun. Like uh, that was a fun undergrad um, program as well. So if you got in through an interview, do you think you've got like a natural pitching ability? Like you're able to sell yourself? Yes. And that's not an ego thing. It's just more a confidence thing to go, hey, I, I truly believe in, in what, yeah, I'm, right. what I'm worth and what I'm, what I'm bringing to the table. Well, if you didn't get in academically, then you yeah. got in through an interview. That's quite impressive. <laughs> like it, you, that's, some, that's a strong. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. You know, it's uh, and even in the interview process, like I went for multiple interviews and I feel like I could not convince, but I could understand what people are trying to do here. And I didn't get every job that I went for, but okay. I got into some good, like I got into some good final rounds for some interviews and I was, you know, probably picked at the post with some other better candidates, but yeah. I felt like if you can get, just get me in the room, I yeah. can, I can, I can talk my way maybe through a couple of things as well. So what do you do then? Cause you, you say you are understanding what people want. Mm. Are you reading cues or are you doing a bit of research before how, yeah, research, how do you research I definitely and I, I interview people now and one of the first things that strikes them as a candidate is when we ask have you researched our business and like they, if they say no I'm like are you crazy are you going for an interview you haven't researched anything about this business so I'd almost take it upon myself to look through that company and try and find as much as I could this is pre-social media days when I was interviewing but jump on the website what are they about what are they looking to do? And you know, what do I love about this brand, for example? And that's where I was like, can I see myself working for this type of this organizational business? Um, I feel like that's, that's underrated. It's almost like when, you know, when things yeah. are an employee market, it's like, Hey, you need me versus an employer market. Then it's like, why is this person the right fit? So I always kind of had that thought going, pick me, pick me. And I'm, I'm not a fanboy, but I'm, I'm keen about what you guys are putting out and what you guys are doing. So almost we need to re, uh, rebrand pitch because it's not just you pitching yourself. It's you really listening and mm, researching a, and understanding who's in front of you. It's a two-way street. So it's kind it? of like an alignment Yeah. of the, you know, fancy. Yeah, instead of like, instead of like pick me, pick me, it's like let's do this together is how mm. I'd say like pitching should be. I think pitching always has that connotation of going, I'm going to stuff this down your throat until you choose me yeah. as opposed to, hey, we're a good fit. Let's do this together. And that's, I think, that's where great pitches are collaborative, isn't it? Yeah. That's what that's what brings the magic together. Because mm. that's what people are looking for. They're not looking to, uh, you, you want to grow other people, yeah. but you want someone to understand what the role It's a win-win. Yeah, mm. Like you win, I win together. It's like, hey, we're... We're all going to get something out of this as opposed to, I don't know, I think that's where pitching maybe people have that objection to it going, oh, I've just got to put myself out there and yeah, it goes against their grain. It's like, no, no, let's do it together. And if you always had that mindset, did you start when you were younger making mistakes about making it about you yeah. or reading the room wrong? I'd say it almost comes back to like I, my mum had a big influence on us and I guess it's that treat others how you want to be treated. Like we grew up with a lot of that. Um, you know, don't, don't talk about yourself, you know, try and ask questions about people, uh, you know, how to ask open-ended questions as well. So that were the smaller, uh, smaller cues. And my mum always had us 
in social stuff, whether and you know whether we had adults around the, at home, you just don't go off and watch TV. You sit with the room, sit with adults. So I think we got comfortable in that type of environment as well. Mm. Um, you know, the phone rings at home. So go and answer the phone and 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 take a message and be confident. So we weren't. I guess we didn't have that fear around communication. Um, and I'd say it's just it's just those small things. And now I see it with my own children. I'm like, they want to order at a cafe. I'm like, okay, cool. Go, you go and order. Mm. And so again, we're trying to take that fear away, which makes them confident in their own skin. Yeah. When you do that, then you're confident around others as well, and they feed off that energy. That that's very cool. The one the what I picked up was also um, you're talking about open-ended questions and mm. that being instilled as a a family value. Yeah, like. What kind of methods do you have of making open-ended questions? Open-ended questions. It'd be not those like, what are you doing? It's like, how are you doing? Or how do you mean? And 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 maybe just making the conversation all about you. Like ask them questions. Be interested in the other person, yeah. for example. Uh, my mom's quite engaging like that. So I feel like that style we just learnt. You know, people gravitate to From someone. Osmosis, you, Correct. And yeah. my mum loves, say, for example, Oprah. You know, we grew up, okay. we grew up on, you know, my mum worshipped the ground that Oprah worked on. And it's great. Someone that you'd, someone that you'd say, look, is a, is a great role model is someone like Oprah Winfrey. Because right? she'd be the queen of open-ended questions. Right. And she just uh, had that style. And I think that was, we saw that engaging style. And I think, yeah, my mum took a lot out of that. That in turn passed the baton on to us. Um, you know, my younger brother does heaps of work in the social, uh, social and hospitality space. So he's constantly around people. Uh, sounds my older brother, you know, he's in his profession. It's a people business. So, yeah, I feel like we've kind of cherry-picked the way, the style that we all kind of uh, are comfortable with. Mm. And, yeah, but the the seed was planted a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the beauty of your abundance mindset is not – so from that quote, not seeing the competition but seeing yeah. collaborators within the industry, even mortgage brokers who are – the, the same target market area. Same product that we all, you know, yeah, yeah, we're all yeah. selling exactly the same CBA home loan, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what was your sort of process of getting to the point where you could be a strong collaborator with anyone? Yeah, I probably saw the best in our industry do this. So the top talent in our industry weren't threatened by anyone else's success. In fact, they wanted to see other other people succeed. Yeah. They opened the door to people like myself coming into the industry. They're like, hey, look, I'll tell you everything I know. Hedge up for a coffee or come yeah. to my office. And I was like, wow, if these people aren't threatened by me coming in because they're well-established, that's automatically, I feel like that's the bar that we're setting. And then, uh, look, I'm a competitive guy, don't get me wrong, but not treading on someone else to get there. Yeah. Like, give me a level playing field. And that's what beauty about mortgage broking. Exact same Westpac, CBA, Macquarie Bank home loans. We can't compete on. No one's got a better price than others. It's parity across every single mortgage broker. We've all got the same technology. We've all got the same, you know, skill set uh, to a certain degree. So you take a, a level playing field and you go, right, now who can succeed? And it's the ones that can either, you know, grow their marketing footprint. It's the ones that niche for example it's the ones that have great systems and processes it's the ones mm. that have great partnerships for example so being technically great 
isn't going to guarantee you success. Yeah. And so back to your point around how do I collaborate as an industry, I want every mortgage broker to be shooting the lights out because when that happens, more Australians trust brokers because when you get a bad mortgage broker that does something, automatically that person's then scarred or burnt by a mortgage broker and it makes the rest of the industry's job harder to go, hey, trust us. And that, that becomes a, a, a real sticking point for me going, I want to see brokers succeed. I want to see brokers do well because when we do that, the, the bar goes up and, and rising tide lifts all ships. That's, mm. that's what I'm about. Um, look, easier said than done because it is a competitive environment. It's a sales environment. Yeah. And, yeah, so you, you don't build the tallest tower by knocking everyone else's tower down. You build it by... You know, a good foundation. You build yeah. it with the right team, for example. And I subscribe to that type of mentality. And when you uh, stop guarding your secrets and start idea sharing, yeah, those ideas come back and grow and get better. Is that your ex- experience? Hundred percent. I'll catch up with other brokers. They're like, oh wow, sharing. I was like, mate, I'll get something out of this as well. Selfishly, if I catch up with another broker, I'm like, I'm going to learn something. I'll give you all my trade secrets. Giving secrets. There's no such thing. I call it secrets. Giving all my IP away doesn't guarantee someone else's success because you can take my entire blueprint and my entire yeah. business plan. You can take all my processes. I can even give you my team. Yeah. That's not going to guarantee you the success because you still got to put in the work. You still got to put in the effort. You still got to build a culture. And they're not you because you build Correct. that custom outfit for yourself. That's right. And, you take and no one else can wear your outfit, you know. Yeah, that's right. It's a great analogy. And... Uh, and likewise, I could take one of the top brokers' businesses off him tomorrow and acquire that. That would not guarantee I'd replicate their success. And so, yeah, you customize it for what your your ideal niche or the way that you like to do business, for example. And so that's that. I mean, goes back to the core of your question: going why collaboration over competition? Because we're all the beneficiaries if we all do well. And yeah, I acknowledge it that it's still a competitive sales environment, but we can still all win. And it probably shows up in a few ways, uh, Lindsay, you know, um, female participation in mortgage broking drops off. Oh, I was, I was looking at the top hundred yeah. today and <laughs> I, I think I found one lady. There's a the handful. There's a handful. Top 20. Yeah. In the top 20. Correct. Now there's probably some female brokers that are top tier talent that maybe aren't submitting their numbers. That's one. That's okay. one challenge. Okay, so mm-hmm. they fit, they're not putting themselves out there. Well, my question is why or why not? But it is, it's an always on job. Like three hundred and sixty five days a year, you got to keep writing loans, otherwise your numbers drop off. So there's yeah. no downtime. You know, so I can see it even being a, a dad. My my time shrunk once I had yeah. children, and especially you know, a mum's one of her primary roles is you know to be there for children. So when you have less time, that means less time to work. Um, and it's cool that you recognise that diversity and inclusion is not just for your team, but for your industry. Absolutely. And if you support that, uh, which is above you, yeah. then, like you said, the the stronger the industry is, the more oh, people trust. And look at our, look at the Australian look at the landscape of Australians. You've got. So many different communities. You've got migrants. You've got high net worth. You've got low socioeconomic. You've got different genders. You've got orientation. You know, 
I can only speak to a certain subset that will record, like will connect with me. Mm. You need you need brokers that are as diverse as our community to connect with different communities as well and and different niches. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I'm about. Mm. So we need a we need a an industry that reflects the Australian borrowers, which is why you know the old bank manager of old, you know. Well, I don't want to be rude, but male pale stale is what gets thrown around, right? So that that era of bank managers gone, replaced through, you know, technology, replaced through yeah. better styles of communicating, selling, connecting with people. Because ideas are better ideas when different perspectives are heard, yeah. brought to the table. So that's where the stale yeah, great. Comes in. Correct. I'll say they'll say no to everything. I'm like, let's try saying yes to everything and then try and figure it out as well. <laughs> uh, so Have a yes day. Have, oh, I love the idea of these essays. I tried it the other day. But he's like, I said it a few times. Like, why don't we just say yes to everything for the day and see how we go? Yeah. And it's almost like when you stop resisting things, your life just gets easier. Uh, yeah, true. You just like, yep, let's do it. Yep, let's do it. And, and it actually felt a bit fun just instead of going the killjoy, going, no, we can't do that. We haven't got enough time. Like, Stuff, or we'll just not do something else, and yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a marketing there initiative we go. We'll for you there. <laughs> Next time we've got a bank, yeah, correct. Just meeting, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, so what what are some lessons you've learned in terms of bad behaviors, good behaviors that you see around you that that don't do well for connections and do do well for connections? Oh. I'd say the bad, I'll start with the bad behavior is probably not wanting it enough. And I'll give you the context here. So you mentioned about top 100 brokers, for example, and I'll get people that will connect with me and say, hey, how did you do it? I want to I wanna get there, for example. I aspire to do that. I'm like, okay, cool. I've, I've achieved it in my lifetime. I'll give you everything you know. And then I'll tell them all the information there, you know, of how I've done it and how I've built it, which is not too dissimilar to my other colleagues or peers. And I'll ask them later, how's it going? And they haven't implemented anything, anything. It's like, oh, I haven't got around to it. I was like, then why'd you ask? Yeah, if you weren't ready. If you weren't willing to put in the work and you're not willing to give something up and you look at that, and again, I'll just call on that example because it's a fairly good reference point, you know, top 100 real estate agents or mortgage brokers or financial planners in services, they've had to give up something, whether it's time at home, whether it's time on the weekends, whether it's, you know, doubling down on the energy they spend in the office and saying no to social things or reinvesting back into their business for growth. That means that, you know, the money's not being spent uh, to buy a fancy new car, for example, about how bad do you want it? Yeah. And that's, that's the, to me, the big point for me when I see it not done well, I'm like, you're talking a lot and people go to a lot of professional development days or they go to conferences, for example, warming a chair, spend a lot of money doing Spend a lot of time. And I'm like, you've got all these ideas, but what have you done with it? And we know the magic happens like the next 24 to 48 hours after going to a conference or to an event, for example, where you go and execute violently and I'll ask them, have you done it? What have you done from the conference? It's like nothing. I'm like, well, if you're not going to do it, then you'll never do it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So that's one way to answer the question. What do I see about the great, the, the, what's done very well? I'd say is accountability. So when you you say you're going to do it, we can negotiate with ourselves, sure. but we negotiate with someone else. Well, like they're the same thing opposite, really, aren't they? Accountability it? and 
and then yeah, not getting things done, and it's a service to yourself, your vision, yeah, and everyone around you. I often say like, yeah, it's almost self-loathing or self-disrespect at that time because if if I ask them you haven't done it, my level of respect for someone goes down a tad. When you know you should have done it and you haven't done it and you've compromised for yourself, Mm. your own self value drops down a little bit going, I know I should have done it. I haven't done it. And again, it's that inner chatter, for example, that's just eroding at you. Sure. Whereas if you said, hey, look, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and I'm going to eat healthy tomorrow and you do it, it goes up a gear. The dopamine goes up, for example, cortisol goes down. um, And then... And then you've got that momentum, like day one starts tomorrow and then day two I'm going to keep the same patterns versus a couple of days you start and then it drops off a little bit and it's like now you've got to start again. Well, yeah. they, uh, they say if you're not actively climbing up the greasy pole, you're going to slide down it. Yeah. I think there's an analogy of if you're standing still on an escalator going down. Yeah. Then... This, then you're you're going to be behind where you started from from not putting in that yeah that effort to get there yeah it goes for every every part of life it goes for financial it goes for relationships it goes for health it cuts across so many different that that, that analogy if you're just standing still and expecting things to change then nothing will change and mm. yeah it can sound harsh but that's the only way that people move forward is they're making progress, they're making changes in their own life because they want they want that bad enough. Mm. The pain's not there if they're not willing to change. And yeah, I think we probably see that time and time again, we're probably seeing in our own lives where we go like, that's it. I'm not I'm not tolerating that anymore. And then you do something about it. So let let's talk about your team. Because yeah. you've got a great team. Hey. I'm um, biased, but yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're great. Like, so no one no one starts a great leader. I uh, I'm reminded at at my child's school they're telling us that when they're young they don't they're not very good at relationships so it, it's it's something that they have to learn yeah. about all the elements of a relationship and it's the same when you become a leader mm. you're going to fumble a bit oh, at the beginning have you know have those sort of metaphorical boyfriend or girlfriends that didn't quite work yes. out <laughs> at the beginning, but then you get better at it and you understand it better and you're more respectful. Mm. What's your sort of journey over the last seven years of managing people? Did you go from, did you begin with a certain level of micromanagement? Did you have sort of those times of self-awareness that led you to this yeah. point? Look, in our, I'll only know what I know from our industry, yeah. but I needed to, I need to micromanage because the details mattered. Like yeah. When you're getting a loan approved, for example, when someone's looking to buy a property, the details count. So yeah, to be hands off and to delegate, for example, let people fail forward. Sounds great in theory, not in, in practice though. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so for me, I had to have a level of micromanagement to know that I could trust people, and once people were at that level of trust, or they, they showed the diligence, then I could I could ease off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. Once, you once the bike is rolling down the road, you take the training wheels off, and yeah. yeah, away you go. And and look, not to say that mistakes mistakes will always happen, and they still we're seven and a half years into our business, and they will still continue to happen because we're human. There's no perfect process, for example. Now I think the difference is is 
I'm, I'm very much more forgiving if a mistake happens. And I also believe that if you just tell me earlier before it gets too much of a problem, yeah. we can put out a small fire. We can't put down, you know, we can't, we can't uh, yeah. extinguish a, a major fire. But that yeah. is as well a, a point that you have to be a person who has their door open that they can feel they can walk up and go, oh, Aaron, yeah. I, really, oh. I really just messed up. Yeah. Like that's a brave thing to do in some circumstances. Yeah. But like to, you, you have to create that environment. It doesn't. It, yeah, again, it goes two way, right? So I need to create the environment. Team need to respond to that as well. So then we have this culture. And the culture then when you're talking about building it, there's two words that we will use. There's ownership and accountability. Yeah. Take ownership. So if you're going to do what you said you're going to do, then absolutely do it. If it's not done, why not? And so there's got to be some, I guess, some frameworks around. There's got to be repercussions, for example. Yeah. Uh, and the ultimate repercussion is a client will just leave us. Yeah. Right? They'll, they're not getting the service they want. We didn't own it. They'll move on. And that's the ultimate feedback loop. So I'm like, if they tell us nice and early, things aren't going great. Perfect. We've got the opportunity to kind of turn the table, turn the tide on that. So we want... Again, we want the same thing with our clients going, tell us if we're not hitting a spot here. Yeah. And again, we can't get mad at the client for telling us. I'm like, we ask, the gift is feedback. So that's one. When we talk about accountability, it's, I feel like they just work, work hand in hand because we're accountable to our team. And I'll use, I always use sporting team analogies. It's like, if I keep passing the ball and you keep dropping the ball, eventually we're going to stop passing you the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we're only as good as a weak link in a sports team, right? So the way that we show up, everyone knows their role, everyone knows what they need to do, everyone knows what, you know, performance-wise, what we're looking to achieve here. We're looking at the scoreboard regularly as well. Mm. And so we're, ownership and accountability just become these, these core parts of the business and the culture going, that's what's expected of us. I've got to live and breathe it because it's got to come from all parts of the business, but we can't do what we do without each other. And yeah. there's no room for ego in that sense going, I can't do what that person does. They can't do what I do, for example. And so it's a match made in heaven going, hey, we're the sum of our parts. So what are the little like levels of repercussions? Because I, I can't imagine you getting out the bat or <laughs> <laughs> or getting no. too angry. I've, I've, I've made mistakes as, as a supplier to you before and seen forgiveness and oh. and understanding so well so how do, how do you put in repercussions look it's uh, yeah not that we're different uh but the dynamic was it's, when we started this business it was bernadette my wife mm. her brother damien and so that almost between the three of us there's this level of like unfilter unfiltered yeah, 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 uh, yeah. which is we could speak to each other in a way that we may not speak to frank as hell an, an employee and then it got to the point that it got quite rude and we're like, right, if I was, <laughs> if I was an employee, yeah, I'd totally yeah, get yeah, stuffed yeah. in terms of like, you can't talk to me that way. That's true. And so we had to learn these clear boundaries where we don't see each other through that lens as like a family member. I'm going to give you feedback the exact yeah. same way. And it's, it's almost goes up a gear in terms of level of respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess the other part for us is I tell the team, would you be your own mortgage broker? So would you trust yourself? And that, again, is a great litmus test sort of filter for us to go, how are we showing up? 
mm. because you're not going to get back to someone, you'd be disappointed if that was your broker that didn't get back to you when, you th- when, they, when they said they would or they didn't own it. So um, for me, I've had to work very, very hard on, on my communication style, but that's what it is to go to that next level of growth. And I meet a lot of brokers that will say, I don't want to hire because I'm not good with people. But the juxtaposition is they still want to grow their business. Yeah, right. The only Who's way to grow is, yeah, the only way to grow is you either work longer hours or you get smarter with what you're doing or you grow through a team. And so I realized that if I had to grow through a team, then that's the talent that I need, which is how do I work better with people? How do I know what, you know, what they want in their lives? So everyone's got stuff going on off the field, yeah. home life, personal life, financially, you know, cost of living. It comes in waves. And, yeah. Right. So you've got to understand when team aren't turning up deliberately to mess up, but there's got to be yeah. like, I guess there's got to be mechanisms where you catch that early. So like a daily whip call, that mechanisms will catch that early if things are going off the rails. Check-ins with team members, like we do a Monday lunch, for example, on our back deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now do Espresso Wednesdays as a team. They're just small, small things that they're not, they're not intended to go, hey, we're going to build culture because that doesn't build culture. But we're just building friendships and relationships in our team that if someone's not someone's the chips are down a little bit the team can pick them up and yeah. we can speak about it and notice oh absolutely yeah. absolutely like someone you just go hey, they're a bit quiet is everything all right and they've got that ability just to speak out and go yeah look things aren't going that great at the moment and again i'm, I'm a fairly open book as well they'll know mm. if i've had a bad night's sleep with kids or you know we're under the pump a little bit and that's okay i yeah. think as a as a leader i'm like i'm not trying to show that things are all rosy because they're not, and anyone is, is is kind of full of it as well. Yeah, is it, are there um, training thing uh, pieces that you put in place for your team to be able to connect with clients to to in, ensure that they have that two way relationship to pick up on the the, the clients' expectations and mood and yeah everything. I mean, the easiest one is short emails or uh, chasing up. I'm like, the second the client's chasing us up, we're, we're losing the f- trust battle here. So sure. you got to pick up the phone. That's probably one one skill that I feel is not dying but can't be understated, which is being able to pick up the phone. And you talk about almost the very start of this chat is about connecting. Mm. It's hard to connect via email. Yeah. Things get misinterpreted. They're busy. Like we talk in jargon sometimes pick up the phone and just have a chat. And yeah. I'm so surprised at how often things can be resolved instead of emails going back and forth. And um, nice to hear from someone. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, rare, it's a rare, uh, it's a rare thing to get a phone call these days. I mean, man, we're dealing with people's money and it's a peak stress time. No client has ever said to us, you're calling me too often. Yeah. It's always the other way where it's like, I don't get enough communication so why don't we just double down on pick up your phone calling people instead of just shooting out emails well that might go into my next question which is what's your favorite way to connect with prospects because i know you're a fan yeah. of coffee yes yeah <laughs> I, there's only so many coffees i can have though um so with prospects or prospecting um i mean we used to do a lot of proactive outbound calls is is kind of you know diarize hey look how are you going follow-ups uh not that it's not scalable but it's almost a little bit intrusive now. It's like, hey, you guys call me. So I like to. Yeah, yeah. And pe- uh, people don't answer those calls. People don't days. answer the calls. They're busy. Uh, and I think we we now got to the, we're at the point where 
they will reach out if they want to reach out, but we've got to stay top of mind. Yeah. And so I like the opt-in mediums, which is podcasts and videos. So if you provide great information and you're, and you're feeding that out to your, to your prospects, for example, or they can find you as like, hey, watch this podcast or video, listen to this interview, check out this, for example, then they will auto-subscribe. Auto they will tune in, for example, and we've got nothing to sell them. Like we can't sell a loan. You've got mm. to buy a property. You're buying the property, not buying the loan. So we're, we're a partnership in that sense that we've got to get you the loan to buy this home. And that's what we're trying to tell our prospects is when we follow up or when we check in and do what we, you know, when we promise to, just know that that's an attribute that, we'll, that you'll thank us for when it comes to buying your property or getting your loan because we follow up with the banks. We update you. We'll own it, for example. So you'll thank us. You might think that we're, you know, we're hassling you. We're not. We're just doing what we said we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then my final question is who, who inspires you to be a good communicator? Who are some people good in your business or in marketing or in the world in general? Yeah. If I'd say the world in general, I'd say someone like Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've, we've seen Tony live. He's got this like, magnetic like he's magnetic he's got this uh, i don't know he's not everyone's cup of tea we resonate and i say we bernadette and i resonate with him he's just got such conviction and he can be on stage for i think we were there like he's on stage for 10 hours and he's still not tired and we're buggered and we're in the crowd um so the i think when you love what you're doing when you enjoy it you just want to you want to communicate that with everyone and that's engaging so that's one um there's there's another guy that I follow quite actively uh, in real estate called Tom Panos. Um, I like him. He's direct. He's yeah. to the point. Uh, he calls out BS in the industry, for example. Uh, and again, he's he's a communicator, not to everyone's style, but he's found his tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd say uh, back to uh, my mum's example, Oprah. Again, has a very good engaging style. Uh, again, very interested in other people's stories, for example, champions other people's stories. Uh, so I feel like someone like her yeah, yeah. is is kind of a good you know, gold standard for, for communication. Able to shine a light on yeah. other people in a new way. Yeah, so the spotlight's not on her. The spotlight's on maybe a cause or the spotlight's maybe on you know, something topical, for example, or what someone's endured or gone through mm. and... Yeah, I think when we talk about, say, communication, when we talk about marketing, for example, I think uh, there's a lot of connotation there. It's self or ego or pushing product, for example. It's like great problem solving, got a great message with some conviction. That's where I feel like great communicators kind of find their space. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming by to our first episode. Not at all. Hey, good luck. And yeah, thrilled to, thrilled to see you behind the mic. Be sure to look Atelier Wealth up and Aaron Christie David. I'm sure he'd love to connect on LinkedIn. And we'll see you next time on Always Be Connecting. Bye.